0: About a year into it, she's like, Dad, do you use a lightsaber like Anakin's that I walk <laughs> when you're over there? <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Uh,
2: David Zock, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for, are you talking already?
3: Sorry. Record... <laughs> did you start Zoom record? I did. Thank you.
2: Okay. <laughs> Sorry. In Scott's defense, Andy asked <laughs> us to remind him to hit that button. So. And I,
3: I, I, for some reason, I have to interrupt Zach, no matter what he's saying. So <laughs> <clears> that's <throat> true. All right, sorry, Zach.
2: David Zock, thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to be on. This is yeah. my first time on a show with um, Bibles and beer in the title before, and <laughs> oh. bro, to be honest.
1: And probably with so much intense technology, too. You're just swimming in technology as you join the Zoom podcast with our multi-camera setup. <laughs> to,
2: yeah. To the listener, it's, we just went through many technological hoops. But now I will say we are the probably the most progressive podcast with bros in the title. Not many people know that.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, the Bibles and beer, that's an intentional marriage to get people to be like, what? So, I guess my first question is: Are you? I think you mentioned you like whiskey. Are you sipping on anything right now, or is it too late for you over there?
0: Well, I'm. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. We had uh, some friends over last night, so I'm, I have a Corona. We, oh. we had we, we made a um, uh, Latin American themed meal, so Corona. We should say, say he's
2: drinking a Corona but- beer. Probably <laughs> clarify that. <Kevin. laughs> Oh
0: I, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Actually, That's yeah, all right. Corona beer.
1: David, how insensitive of you! How could you in 2020?
0: <laughs> well, I, the, my point I was making is I was thinking I should have a craft beer to, to, right, to sure. be legitimate for the show, but it's just a Corona. I I, for, I actually forgot about Corona.
2: No, we don't judge. <laughs> Scott over here is coming multiple times with like Miller Light, yeah, Miller it? Coors, okay. Miller Coors,
3: yeah. You know, no, it's, it's,
2: it's one of those time and place things, whatever you're feeling.
3: Yeah. So an import that's, that's higher class than a regular old <laughs> Bud Light.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I appreciate you coming on and I just want to, let's get just a little background on you. Um, one of the questions I like to ask involves how, what, in what, uh, way were people born into the world? Like what was the framework? What God were they given? I don't know a lot about you. Uh, I know you mm. have the band Remedy Drive and you're working with the Exodus Road, which we'll yeah. get to all that and what you're doing with that. But what got you here and what was kind of the template that you see life through that that started that journey, I guess?
0: Mm. Uh, you said, "In what way were you born into the world?" And immediately, I was thinking in my mind, not cesarean, but what's the, what's the right way to say that?
2: Vaginally?
0: <laughs> uh, like an American. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was. I grew up with uh, some amazing parents, uh, five siblings, and um, a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. And he uh, was, we were part of a really um, conservative uh, home church network. We couldn't take a name. Um, Really good at Bible trivia still to this day. Um, The leader of this group that we were part of uh, would hold his Bible up and say that we don't need a doctrinal statement of faith because it was this book. And so that I'm still triggered to some degree because of we all looked at everything that we read in scripture through the lens of this one guy and he's kind of an arrogant egotistical type guy
2: sounds Um, a little culty
0: Yeah, i you know my mom listens to some of these but at at, at, soft cult this might be a (laughs) 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 it wasn't full-blown it wasn't uh that's not your words you can put that on me what's that you
2: can put that on me it's not your words okay i said it it just had the
1: training wheels of a cult
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah it, it, and thankfully when when it when it turned out this guy was uh you know he, he went down that same road they all end up going down it kind of fell apart and that was about 20 years ago and that's when the band went full-time and i've been since then and probably more churches than most people. And have got to seeing the real beauty of the diversity of different ways of doing things where I grew up really believing that everything was supposed to be done the way we did it because we were doing it the way the Bible said to do it.
1: What do you mean when you say the, the band went full time?
0: <laughs> so I, when I graduated college, uh, rock music was kind of frowned upon in, in this church group that I grew up in. And, uh, so we went full-time into making music right after that thing fell apart.
1: And w- what part of the country are, were you in at this time?
0: I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. So I went to school in University of Nebraska, Lincoln. But the the group that we were part of was on the West Coast. And it was really beautiful. And the way that a lot of groups like this are really beautiful is in that we had a really close-knit group, a real, like real, we were with one purpose, with one mind in a lot of ways.
1: Was this a was this a Christian band? Was it a secular band?
0: Oh, yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Um, we started out we just wanted to play music. Like I love you too. I love the way they did it and um, but we did start getting invited to churches early on and we didn't want to sign a record deal but in 07 we ended up signing with Word Records which is under Warner Brothers. So we were released on a on the Christian arm of Warner Brothers' label, and then we left all that in 2012. Because I went to my marketing director, I said, "I got this idea. I want to write songs about child soldiers." I had just seen Coney 2012, and my daughter says to me, "Dad, why doesn't God protect those boys?" And I was just moved with this. I wanted to write and try to maybe write a whole album, a concept album on slavery and on on boys soldiers on, on sex trafficking. And, uh, it was my A and R director. He's, he said, but isn't worship singing and all that <laughs> other stuff. It's just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and my marketing, director. yeah, I think he actually said it out loud and I was so embarrassed for him, but also for that whole industry in many ways, because he meant it. Yeah. And my marketing director yeah. was correct. When he said to me, David, I'm a whore. I need you to give me something I can sell. Wow. And that's when I realized, man, I can't stay in this in good conscience. I gotta, I gotta, wow. I gotta live with myself, and I gotta look at the king in the eye someday.
1: Yeah. Well, at least he was up front, and he was letting you know where the where he was coming from.
0: Yeah. It was that was helpful, and also it was as devastating as it was it. It was great for me. It, it that ended up being a lot of lyric because I said immediately i'm not a commodity i don't even i don't use that word and i would never describe myself or my art that way
1: yeah and i know that uh i you know the entirety of our interview isn't just about your band and and what that was like but your story reminds me a little bit i don't know how familiar you are with the kings of leon but there's some similarities there in that you had some guys that were growing up in the church and uh, i think they're you know the father was a pastor and there there's cousins in there too so it's like father/uncle slash uncle was the pastor and it was like a traveling um uh traveling like southern baptist i want to say i might be butchering this a little bit but are you guys familiar with this yeah uh, they 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 grew up in that and then then we're all playing music playing gospel music and then uh kind of s- split out from that but the difference that i hear from you is their their split was a negative one in that they kind of rejected in, in some ways, uh, their faith and and yours didn't necessarily go that route, but I would be remiss to say, have you not heard the uh, the Word Records demo tape that has made from from Word Records the collection? From. Have you guys heard of this thing?
2: Is this like I mean, this is going way back? It, was Sandy Patty on that?
1: No, no, no. It's it's like ten. It's like I, I first heard it about ten or fifteen years ago. It is a collection of the all-time great sent-in demos to, ro- to Word Records. And oh, just the Or dem- they
0: became hits or just...
1: Oh, my friend, nothing became a hit. <laughs> 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 they are so bad. But they are so bad that I don't care. You could put the best musician in there to try to cover what was done, and they couldn't do it. There's no way that they could pull it off. Oh, I'm here Even for like, that. It wow. is amazing. I have it on Dropbox. I'll send you a link. And some of them are like, it sounds like someone's sitting outside with that, like a handheld tape recorder on their porch. You can hear like dogs barking in the background. Yeah, and this is the demo that they sent in to go like, I think you guys should sign me. And usually, it, there's like some preamble, like at the beginning, hey, my name is so and so, and I just want to be a, I just want to be a superstar.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so.
2: Like on, I'm sure
0: there's people that talk about our demo that way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that tree bore fruit. Um, so on the on the kind of piggybacking <laughs> off that though, with Dave Bazan and Kings of Leon, um, with Dave Bazan in particular, he had that kind of faith where this is the way it is. Like this is what you believe. No. And then when he came up against resistance or people that believe differently or evidence that was different, um, I'm not surprised when somebody like that is like, well, forget it. Like if like my God's not true, cause what I believe isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, how does somebody like you, it sounds like you still have a faith. It, it's probably shifted and maybe we'll talk about yeah. that. Who knows? But, um, how, how does one come in contact with the outside world? Oh, there's other people who believe differently. There's people who don't believe. I mean, yeah. How how does one like you survive that? in terms of faith
0: well one of the one of the first things that i came in contact with was people that i respected and looked up to and they baptized babies right whether it's presbyterians or and i was always led to believe that people had like no reason to do what they do that's that's how we were kind of well cuz we would open the bible we say here's what it says and then it seemed odd that anybody would have a different way of looking at it than we looked at it. And then you realize that everybody is coming to scripture, coming to their belief system with their own evidence and with their own way of, uh, reading and interpreting. And I think that was a good thing for us and for me in particular early on, as an example of like that, I'm getting a crazy echo when I'm talking.
1: Yeah. I think the, uh, the stream's getting a little fuzzy right now, but we'll see if we can power through it.
0: Let me see if I can, I can't concentrate one of my, let me see if I can turn my voice down my ears. Sorry, you have to edit that part. No, maybe it's my, all good. Leave it in there if you want to.
1: Yeah, this is live, man. We'll take the warts <laughs> and all. This is real because we're all about real it's podcasting. About real.
2: Yeah, maybe you've heard of the word authenticity. and that's
3: <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> That means no adjustments.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hold on, we gotta have the singer
1: talk for a little while because Ricky on the drums needs to fix his snare.
0: (laughs) Uh, Actually, that is so that that right there. What you just said. One of our first shows out, we were we were never exposed to like charismatic culture at all. And one of our first shows, there was this guy named Bubba. I'll never forget it. There was literally something wrong with the guitar amp, and he shouted. He said, "Hey, Dave." Just testify for a little bit for us. <laughs> oh but I honestly gosh. had no idea what he meant by that, or what I was supposed to do.
1: Wait, testify for the amp, or testify to buy me a minute and thirty seconds because I got to yeah. swap a
0: tube. Yeah, that that second <laughs> one. <laughs> well, I thought you were hey, going to say. Didn't me. know what I meant. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry me Praying for the tube.
1: I know. I know. We're going to get into the meat of what we want to talk about now, but there's a story that I need to tell, which is. Uh, playing a show with a friend's band and and afterwards it was at a church and and a guy came up and he said hey man you guys are great and uh you know i've been praying about it a lot and and i was praying about getting that guitar amp that you have (laughs) (laughs) and i and i was like oh okay cool and he goes and I really felt like the Lord was telling me to get a better one. <laughs> I said, Oh man, that's great. Uh could you throw a prayer in there for me too? <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. He he uh he dissed my amp through Jesus. Man. Well
2: that's how Christians generally that's how that we work is generally it'll be like a little condescending and roundabout and not
0: direct. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> you don't want to hurt feelings, but then at the end of the day, you and end up of- feelings.
0: I think if I hadn't been just gradually exposed to that kind of behavior or a guy telling me he bought these two $4,000 guitars because it was a God thing, they were on sale from 5000 just this, <laughs> this, this lingo that, that that you kind of get used to. I think it's actually been good for me that it's been a gradual, gr- gradual exposure to that over the years, Yeah, because it's given me more grace for people and helped me from completely losing my faith because you, you hear things being done and said in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's enough to turn some of the strongest believers into, into non-believers right now. Um, and so I don't ex- mind exposing my kids to hypocrisy, exposing my kids to, you know, if we all watch that one, I don't know which preacher it is that they put to a, like a death metal song recently. Oh yeah. You sent me sure that one. Seen it.
1: Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. Copeland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, which is like, more important.
2: <clears throat>
1: Sorry. Go ahead, David.
0: Like it's okay to, it's, I think it's okay to, to be amused by stuff like that and deeply sorrowful at the same time it's a weird like it, it causes me a lot of sorrow um to see the name of jesus getting drugged through the mud and and attached to so many weird personalities and platforms and movements um yeah that's but why I, I, think I think it's still important. for me at this point I, go
3: ahead yeah go ahead
0: Oh, i'm i'm still i'm i'm sometimes it's a conscious thing for me to to remember um that this whatever this infection that sometimes ends up on our culture is a temporary thing,
2: mm.
3: yeah, and I think it's important, or that's one of the reasons why it's important that we we separate th- our faith in the truth from what any one person uh is saying, and yeah hmm. any anything can be taken uh and distorted. Or I guess I should say everything has been taken and has been distorted. Every faith, uh, people in in uh, businesses, slogans, uh, different technologies—they've mm-hmm. all every everything can be used for a purpose other than what it was originally intended, and can be distorted away from the original truth that that um, it was yeah. proclaimed by. I messed that part up.
2: That's all right. My my. <laughs> My I've got this constant wrestling match of people like Kenneth Copeland or, you know, even a little more mainstream, uh a little bit, like Franklin Graham or you know, pick pick a preacher that I disagree with, which is
3: almost all almost evangelicals. All of them.
2: I'm kind of the heretic of the group, just so you know, David. Um but but constantly thinking like if somebody asked me, Do you believe what that guy believes? I'm like no, at least not in the way that they do. And like, I feel like some of them, it's, we're not even talking mm-hmm. about the same God, but then I know for myself, like, I don't have a grasp on what God is or how God exactly operates. I have certain beliefs that I'm holding, but it's like, I got to always second guess myself too. Not that, not that it's like a relative thing where they're just as right as I am or, or, or the other way around, but it's it's just humbling to think about like I I've got no grasp on the just the vastness of whatever God actually is, um, so I don't know it just keeps me a little hmm. bit humble. But because there's a lot of times when I look at the way Christians act, it's like if that's what people if that's what a Christian is, I'm not that.
3: Well, yeah, and and, I, and that's what I'm saying is that just we obviously we know that humans are I mean we're human we sin we're not we're not perfect by by our nature no. Yeah. So, uh, trying to, or evaluating Christianity based upon Christians or an individual, especially if you know something about Christianity, it's, it's a little wonky of an idea because you know that they don't, they like, you shouldn't be judging Christianity based upon an individual. Now, outsiders, people that don't have familiarity with Christianity, that's kind of a different story because that's what they have to go off of. Uh, but, like, even even if like, let's just use me for an example. If, if my pastor, are you testifying now? (laughs) Testify. If if my pastor ended up doing something or left the faith or had some terrible sin, I, my faith isn't, isn't based upon him. That's, that's healthy. Right. It's, and, and I think that's important for people to understand. And, and, Parents should teach their kids that, that you, you're, you shouldn't, you know, don't believe because someone else believes and because, and if they fall, it doesn't, that doesn't have a bearing on what the truth is. Someone distorting something doesn't, doesn't change what the actual truth is. I remember my friend
1: but, telling me once that they will know us by, they they will know we are Christians by our t-shirts. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> by our memes.
0: I haven't, I, I'll send you guys a link to this, but I. Released very hesitantly a song on like October 30th or something, but it was, you're using my name in vain. Ooh. And at the end I said, for for your rights and privilege, you've betrayed prophetic witness for economy and prosperity. You've betrayed me with your kisses. When yeah. justice is not famine, when righteousness is starved, you're bowing to the altars of mammon and the monuments of Mars. And I go on through there and, and some that of the public good. figures that that we even mentioned were like, I, I agree. Was that Scott? That was you that saying that was said most of that just now, I think. Right? Yes. Yeah. So I agree with you, but the worst thing for somebody to hear that has lost their faith because they see the fruits of something that seems rotten is, well, your faith wasn't supposed to be in somebody anyways. Cause that's how it, for, for me and feels for me over and over again. Yeah. There's so many times where I've been let down by not just a person, but by a whole movement and um uh so i'm gonna try my hardest not to you know if it's one of my kids comes to me and says hey you know you let me down or so and so let me down how do we I, i think there's a weight that's missing from that that we that we can squander our prophetic witness in somebody else's life because and which is why i think i love when jesus talks about like let your light shine and by that my whole my whole life i always thought like Andy said that the light was supposed to be like a Christian t shirt. But like your friend said, it's literally the light should be our good works. Like the, the things that we're doing, our selflessness, our 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 love. That's that's what they're supposed to look in and see that shining city on a hill, this this selfless community of people that put others' rights and others' privileges before their own, even to the point where it might cost them harm or they'll have to give up some of their privileges. That's
1: pretty um, cool, man. That's uh that's like a, a variation of the prayer that I would have for my kids every day when back when I would drop them off at school, <coughs> twenty nineteen, but it was really short because it was always in the drive up drop off line and <laughs> and before we'd be praying, I'd just just say, uh, "Jesus, just help us shine your light to the people who are around us." It was super simple, very mm-hmm. short and brief, but um, but I think that that you kind of detailed that in a much more eloquent way than I. Had. Than I do in drive up drop off lines.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the light—the
0: light is humility, man. It's 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 a it's this it's this humility that attracts people on the outside. But we have seen this alignment of the brand of the evangelical brand has been alive aligned in such a gross and unique way in my lifetime and with a real mean spirit, mean spirited, unkind um, machismo type of you know we're we're the best. We're not just the best
2: yeah.
0: religion in the yeah. world, but we're the best country in the world and we're the best country the world's ever seen. And that sort of constant bragging and boasting and mean-spirited um, arrogance, I just hate seeing it aligned to something so beautiful. And I read a lot of Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King Jr. And they say it so much better than any of us could. Uh, and honestly, they say it better than I could ever get away with saying it. They were so... And the reason why that critique is important, I believe, is because we love we we love the truth, and we love the beauty the beauty that um, of this movement, the way that Jesus Christ started and, and pointed us in that direction. So I think it's important to to critique it.
2: Yeah, that's so good. And you, it's I mean, it's in the bio on the site for the Exodus Road for you, um, about wanting to help people bend the moral people been the moral arc towards justice, the moral arc of the universe towards justice, which mm. is a Martin Luther, Luther King Jr. quote or a, a variation on that. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Christians can be, and I'll just say for myself, so I'm not straw manning. I have been somebody that, that has been the Christian that thinks that things are set in stone and that God's got this plan. And so ultimately it, it doesn't matter. And, it it really was. It, it's embarrassing now because it's it's like you no know, the world gets better. God moves through people, and that's what he was doing in the Bible, and that's what he's doing now. Um, and that's it appears that's what's that's the fire that you have is to to help people see what they can do to help bend that moral arc of the universe towards justice. So with that, what getting into the Exodus road, what was the, um, you had mentioned the Comey video, um, yeah. that kind of got that started, but that was before Exodus road, correct?
0: Yeah. That was a year before I met Matt Parker.
2: Yeah. How did you, how did that start? What was the catalyst for you jumping into the Exodus road? Yeah. And who
1: is Matt Parker? Just so. It, yeah. yeah. Cause there's going to be one. people who are tuning in who don't know.
0: Um, Matt Parker founded the Exodus road in, in 2010. And so it was, I guess, before even that catalyst of my daughter saying, Dad, why not God protect those boys? I watched Bono give the prayer breakfast speech to George W. Bush, maybe in 2006. And he said that there was a prophet named Isaiah that said, If you spend yourself on the path of the oppressed, then your light will rise like the noon. And. I realized in 2012 that I had a currency because Bono says there's this currency that people have to celebrity that's dumb, but he's going to, he's going to spend that currency on the AIDS crisis. And that haunted me for years. And anytime I was writing, I was trying to, maybe I can take a song or a couple songs and use melodies to shine a light on injustice. But it wasn't until 2012 that I had the idea to write a whole album. Uh and in this amazing moment of convergence, Matt Parker had no idea that I'd written a song Commodity. I'm a soul inside a body, I'm not a commodity. So this guy that founded an NGO that fights against slavery came to Nashville to meet with a band that was in the middle of writing a concept album on counter trafficking and on justice.
2: Would you say and that's a god the- thing? I mean, hey. What's that? Is that a God thing? <laughs> I don't know what to make about those, but we mentioned it earlier. So that's a, that's a pretty sweet coincidence.
0: Yeah. And I got that, that um, phrase moment of convergence from Matt. And I used that instead of saying to God, (laughs) to be honest with you.
3: (laughs) Real quick, David, can you say the, uh, the, the Bono, what Bono said about Isaiah? I think it kind of cut out there when you were saying that quote.
0: Okay. So Bono's, at the presidential prayer breakfast, and he's, he, he's there to try to get George W. Bush to, I think, forgive some third world countries and some debt and help out with, with poverty. And he shares from, you know, Bono stand there, he says, I'm, I'm going to share the words of this ancient prophet named Isaiah, who said, if you spend yourself on behalf of the oppressed, then your light will rise like the noonday.'" And here's a rock star. And he says, I have this currency. Bono says, I have the currency of my celebrity. And I'm going to spend that currency on behalf of, of, of oppressed people. Like, as I, like Isaiah said, and I wanted to take the currency of that. I've worked my whole adult life trying to build this band and trying to be successful, trying to get my songs on the radio. And I had accomplished that to a degree I never dreamed possible. And so I'm thinking, how can I spend the currency of this platform, the currency of my band, the currency of my microphone, on the cause of oppressed and marginalized and exiled and downtrodden people. So that was all happening. The quote from Martin Luther King Jr, his last speech before they shot him, he says, now's the time for us to develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. Mm. And as I'm going into that meeting with Matt who founded the Exodus Road, I'm halfway through writing a record that's a concept record on on counter-trafficking. I had just left my record label to go independent to crowdfund this first album of ours which turned it turned out to be the first of three counter-trafficking albums we just finished the third one and so i'm sitting across the table from a guy my age matt parker has three kids and he's telling me about the work he does doing undercover work spying on gangsters and criminal networks that sell girls and boys for sex against their will and i had this feeling i'm sitting across from him i i I'm in an industry where people get paid a ton of money to to go overseas and get their picture taken with kids that are starving and then come home and and they make like $150 every time a kid gets sponsored off their table. So I I'm irritated by that business model. Matt's sitting across the table from me. This is a guy that could die doing what he's doing. And I just said, Matt, I don't want to just talk about this. We got enough preachers and politicians talking about things like this. No one's going to listen to to me if I'm not going with you. Can you at least take me with you just one time? Show me what the work is and let me participate. So that's how it all started. That was in 2013.
1: So when you're saying, take me with you to go do the work that you're doing, what, how does he respond What and what does that look like?
0: He said... You should really talk to your wife first, but yeah, I'll take you.
1: He's a wise man. But why, and why (laughs) is he saying that? Is he saying (laughs) that because what you're about to get into is uh, a little sketchy, a little questionable, uh, challenging, difficult. Unpack that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On all, all those fronts, all those words, there's an incredible liability to a marriage, to my health, to our family, to our safety. Um, We're talking about going in, to the red light districts, to um, brothels, to dance clubs, to back alleys where, where mafias and mobs and, and cartels, and sometimes just a couple individuals in a criminal network. sell Mm -hmm. girls and boys for sex. So just being in that environment alone, being around that kind of person, being around that, that market, it's, those are dangerous streets. You know, a lot of times they're selling cocaine as well. And so that's why matt said this has got to be something you do with your wife and so he came over for breakfast the next morning and he's telling about failed raids he's talking about corruption and my wife was in tears and she says david's going to join you Mm. this will be our legacy
1: now when she says that had you the two of you already chatted already talked about this together or is this just, is she volunteering you on the spot? Get
2: David out of the house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time someone's responded that way. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> um, well, we. I mean, she knew we were writing this. And it was a big risk for us to leave the comfort and the safety of having a record label. You know, they fund everything. So that was the big step yeah. that we thought we we're taking. And so it was a big ask to her when I come home late from that meeting and it's, you know, we're laying in, be- in bed awake and I say, Hey, I, I, I think I need to not just sing about this. I think I need to go overseas and I need to participate. And so she was really hesitant and she said, well, let's talk about it in the morning. And I said, well, Matt's coming over in the morning. So that, so I mean, in that short time at the breakfast table, her, she was totally sold,
2: oh, that's so good, and it it's it's different if it's like it's one thing if it's like, yeah, well, I don't know, but i think I think if you really feel strongly about it, go for it, but yep. when it's some when your your partner uh that you're joined to is like i i am a hundred this is like full on uh, I will not say 100% 110% because that's not possible. Everybody does that. It's so not. I'm 100% yeah, right. behind you. That there's a little magic there and that is like wind in the sails of what you are already feeling convicted about.
1: Jeff would hate that you said
2: 110%
1: can't exist.
2: I know. <laughs> we're missing Jeff tonight. Uh he's the f- the fourth guy. He couldn't be here tonight, but uh Damn. uh he is a very emotional man. I wish he were here. And I mean that as a in a very con- complimentary way where he loves human stories and and the human experience and he is yeah. very prone to drastic exaggerations to prove a point <laughs> so 110 percent isn't even scratching the surface I'd with say, that guy I'd say he's trump-like
1: he is mr 110 <laughs> 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 Percent. okay so so at this point uh you've got the green light from your wife and and when she says that I'm kind of curious what your internal reaction is. You're sitting at the breakfast table and she's saying, David needs to go, go do this. What's, what's your internal reaction at
0: that moment? Was
2: there a little bit of like, Oh, I wish she would have said no. <laughs> that's,
0: that's another first time someone asked that. Um, I was, I know I was ready. I, w- I wanted, I wanted to, to, to do it. Um, and I think, I, I guess, yeah, I think I, I, I think there was a little bit of fear right away. Which is... No, because that was what made it real. Her saying that was yeah. what made it real for the first time.
1: And that's, I imagine that's a, probably a good thing because that, that's you recognizing what you're getting into, at least as much as you can at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. So what happens after that? You leave this breakfast table and and it's green light go?
2: Green light to the red light. Yeah. That's what Andy meant to say.
0: It was a green light to the red light. Man, this is going to be... The, you love these, this, uh,
2: don't you, huh? You're
1: getting I, so I'm many... I'm this
0: conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what if I'm in another chat and i just say well she gave me the green light to the red light hey, hey, man, i don't think it's gonna fly with the kind of som- <laughs> usually it's kind of somber at this point but no, this is-
2: it's, it is really heavy but i think laughing helps a little bit like this is super serious um but we got to get through it and sometimes you need laughter and please and make sure I that you,
1: you cite us in the footnotes anytime you reuse that quote, because we need all the <laughs> listenership that we can get. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is, this our corporate whores are on our ass. From- if we
2: don't get our numbers up, we're in trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Green light to the red light brought to you by Bro's, <laughs> beer. Wait, it's Bro's Bibles and Beer. Yes. Nailed it. I've got it wrong ever since I listened to the one episode where you where you laughed at that guy that that had uh, the wrong plurals. You're <laughs> not a, the only one, man. Yeah.
2: We're working on our branding. <laughs> okay.
1: okay, so so this breakfast ends and yeah. and there's there are some decisions that happen at this point.
0: At that point, you know, Matt Parker from the Exodus Road said let's let's get you over um can you come in February? So 2 months later my first time in Asia, and some of it was kind of being trained while I was over there and vetted. Um, Ooh, some of it was.
1: Can I pause you for a moment? Oh, yes. there? that word yeah. "vetted" seemed it stuck out to me. So, can you take a moment and just unpack a little bit of what you mean by training and vetting? You, as much yeah. detail as you think is is important.
0: Yeah. So I just got done here in 2020 being part of a vetting so i think there was a dozen or so people that went through an online program background checks um, and then in person interviews psych evals so i didn't do that in 2013 but when i was there in some of the scenarios in some of the the less intimidating scenarios i was you know the the I was being watched. I was being observed. Can this guy handle the pressure? For instance, my brother, Philip, who knows me well, started the band with me, said you were going to stick out like a sore thumb. You can't even maintain eye contact. You look sketchy all the time. You can't act. How, how do you think you're going to do this? And I'm so glad he said that because it turns out I do. I, I, I am comfortable enough in those places. You're hanging out just like you'd be hanging out right there. Um, there's beer, there's smokes, there's a lot of drugs. There's, um, just like here, so I guess the word <laughs> just, just like the. <laughs> well, the beers part is here. We've Sorry.
1: got that one covered. Keep going, soldier. On so yeah, so so they're vetting you at this point, and 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 I am I am really curious about this because that again that word sticks out. So so what does hmm. that mean to to vet you for going into this situation?
0: Can this? Um, am I going to bring danger? To my teammates, am I gonna bring danger? Am I gonna tip off? Like, you know, am I gonna bring suspicion to the operation?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, can I handle the environment? The, you know, it's there's a language difference. There's um can I can I can I capture the kind of evidence we need to capture using technology without looking suspicious, without sticking out? Can I fit in? There's one I've never told this story before, but there was one kind of small red light district that had a boxing ring in the middle in Asia. And one of the nights being trained, my job was to follow one-on-one this other guy, one of our, one of the Exodus road guys. And then we would follow ra- random people just to practice and two following one person. And there's techniques that I learned and I thought I'd had a really good night Paying attention to my surroundings, and then this another team member that we thought I thought had stayed home that night ran into her on the corner, and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing? I thought you were staying home." And I was at the end of the end of the exercise, and she showed me surveillance of me from the past two hours, (laughs) and that's when I realized, man, I'm a total newbie. I never saw her once the whole night.
2: Oh wow!
1: So so the vetting happens like on site. They're basically going. Okay, tonight we're going to take you out, and this is a trial run.
0: That was. This is a very unique situation. This was seven years ago. This is. Uh, this is not how we do it anymore. Like it's, okay. it's a very stringent process for volunteers, and I should say this: I'm part of a volunteer undercover um, operation. We call it Delta Team, and we'll go over from the states. To some of us from Europe. And we'll join and assist the teams that are the nationals that are doing of the work, the real work, on the ground in the country we're operating in. So in India, it's it's run by a team of Indian men in Latin America. It's people from those countries. And we come in on short deployment to help with, uh, sometimes help gather intelligence. But a lot of times they need a foreigner to go in and pose as a sex tourist. To help get the kind of evidence they need, that's going to end up taking down these criminal networks. Mm.
3: Wow!
2: Is there an element of the? So I don't
0: um, want to give the impression.
2: No, keep going. Sorry, we. Got I don't want to delay. give the
0: impression that, that we vet the impression that we vet people on the fly like that. That was a a unique scenario for me.
2: Um, it, is there an aspect of the vetting that includes? and I, I don't even know how to ask this, but it, that includes weeding out whether somebody is joining uh, because they have some undiscovered desire for, they, they have an attraction towards those types of people, like underage kids or or um, uh, I, I don't even know. You, you get what I'm going for, but like at churches, yeah, exactly. in children's ministry, you know, yeah. those people that go to children's ministry, we just want to teach children. But if there is going to be somebody that that is nefarious, they're drawn to that type of work. So is is that part of the vetting process for Exodus Road?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's scary that the kind of technology exists to, to identify those sort of things. And I'm thankful that that technology exists. And I'd never thought of it till now, but why don't we have those sort that sort of vetting for any youth group or camp director as well? Yeah. It should be
2: because you know, they, mean, a, they mean they mean well, David, and they they just want to serve at church, and we need volunteers. So good enough.
1: <laughs> any port in a storm, David. This is how volunteerism works on Sunday mornings.
2: Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's uh, I man. I want more. I want more deets. And uh, in, in terms of what is. I guess for the most part, what what you're doing is uh, especially at the beginning, you're doing a lot of ob- observing. It's not like you're going in there and you're, you're making the bust or rescuing uh, the kid. Uh, a lot of it is yeah. having to go in there, see stuff you don't want to see and you wish you could stop right away, but you just have to go in there and walk away.
0: And that's the hardest part. Our job is to go in and, and, f- gather evidence in such a way that it's indisputable that children are being sold for sex against their will or children being sold or to prove that there's fraud or force or coercion uh, in an environment where someone's selling someone else for sex. That's the definition of sex trafficking. And that's hard to prove. It's hard to, it's hard to even prove that a girl is 14 or 15, you know, especially under lights. So we have to, oftentimes sit down in these environments or um, sometimes it's like discotheques. It's like a Mm -hmm. really crowded dance club where they're selling girls from all over the world. Sometimes I get escorted up a elevator by a little gangster that frisks me looking for weapons, looking for cameras. And we have really sophisticated technology that um, I've never had it discovered, but for one time in all my years of doing Mm -hmm. this, and that was partly my fault or hundred percent my fault, but you go in and you, you find out what's going on. And that's, what's hard because there's no way to do this job, right. And then to run with these victims at that point, we want to dismantle the criminal networks responsible for this misery. And in order to do that, we have to walk away and continue to come back until we get a successful raid and we have a lot of raids that are tipped off too. I've been on a raid that was tipped off because somebody probably took a bribe for like two, two or three hundred bucks.
2: Oh, somebody of a part of the Exodus road.
0: A part of uh, the network, law or whatever. we work closely okay. with gotcha. law enforcement, whether it's local law enforcement or anti-human trafficking police, or um, we have a relationship with Interpol as well.
2: What was it like? You you mentioned that one time. Somebody found your technology. What was that story as juicy as it feels like it will be, or or was it not?
0: It. I mean, I think any of the stories that be really juicy would be untellable because I wouldn't be here anymore. But that right. one, um, <laughs> we uh, it was actually it was around the time there was a terrorist bombing that I I hadn't really paid attention to in in the actual city we were in. It happened a few months before that. So there was a, the, the, there was a lot of attention being paid to Westerners. And I, I thought that our taxi driver who we were trying to become friends with, so we'd bring him into clubs and, and he'd, he'd drink with us. And I was felt bad for him when we got pulled over at a roadblock because I thought he was gonna get a ticket for drinking and driving, which he definitely was. And that's one of those moments where i texted my wife and i said hey here's the here's the strategy tonight we're going to befriend our taxi driver which was just a tuk-tuk like a motorcycle chariot i don't, I don't know if you guys ever, ever oh, was wow. overseas wow on like a motorcycle with just three seats in the back and yeah so he gets pulled over and i wasn't really paying attention but they came right at us and they checked all our bags and they just frisked us and they kind of found this jersey rigged setup that i had and i wasn't able, on it i was we don't, I don't think we run these, this style of surveillance anymore, but I, I didn't unplug one of the wires that would, I would have been free and clear if I would have unplugged both the wires, but they found it and I just froze and I just kept on saying, oh, "It's was just electronics, just electronics. It turns out they were looking for bomb materials and not for, oh. you know, I thought that maybe our taxi driver had turned us in for a reward, you know, or planted drugs on us or, but thankfully it was just. It's just a about thirty seconds of terror. Yeah. I don't want to get hung <laughs> so, up on
1: a detail here, but you did say turn you in for a reward. Why would you be turned in for a reward for exposing illegal activity?
0: Well, if if he, you know, I don't know who who's who. I know that a lot of a lot of places that we're working that, you know, there's watchers on the street that are, that are helping to protect this industry, this industry that feeds tourism in a lot of the places where we travel, uh, tourism depends on sex tourism. So in regions where, where, where a pedophilia gang has been taken out, you'll see a, a, a massive unintended consequence for that, that, that village or that place is that they, they're not selling anything anymore. Cause there's no more tourists coming in for sex tourism. And so I'm wondering, is this guy onto us, were we too careless that did, did he noticed that we're not who we're pretending to be? And did he call a, co- a corrupt cop to, to then, you know, take out the threat in some way, maybe plant drugs on us or whatever. That's my, that's what's yeah. going through my mind at that point, whether it's, whether that's a legitimate concern or not, that's where I'm That's, I go to worst case scenario.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, corruption in police is not uh, uncommon in lots of countries. And so I I can imagine that you, that that's a thought going through your mind as he's digging through your stuff and saying, what are these wires?
0: Yeah. And we deal with corruption in police forces on a regular basis. So it's something I'm concerned about. Um, It's the main reason why we're not more successful in certain cities is because of corruption. Mm -hmm
3: you know that's that's interesting the uh the unintended consequences of of tourism going down and then other businesses suffering and i think one of the, the lines um in the, the one of the lyrics that you read from your songs uh that you're you're selling these, like you you're you're going along with this the sex trade for economic benefit even though you're not directly involved but there it's possible there is businesses around there they don't they don't want the sex ring to be taken down either because they'll lose money from the the slowdown in, in uh, sex tourism it's a it's, yeah. a it's kind of a dilemma
0: and you see a whole community um, taking part of it and protecting it and there's a tendency to to judge this culture right or to hate or to um to say oh i'd never be that way but nobody is doing it in 2020 with this sort of uh, complete buy-in and uh, cultural buy-in than we than what happened here in the United States during the transatlantic slave trade, you know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. Like without the without the cotton, would we have ever been a country? You know what I mean? And without the slaves, there would have been no cotton. So the ends are always justifying the means, and so I, that's been something that I didn't think that i would see in myself is i have a lot of empathy for the communities for for the traffickers that i'm face to face with so often this guy is selling somebody else's daughter so he can feed his own daughter and that's just you know you can't i i won't let myself hate him and i i have to know that that capacity for that level of evil is in me in the right circumstances
2: yeah. That that is so powerful. That's such a I don't know if you've read any of Richard Rohr, but that's like second half of life stuff right there of um mm. just like just recognizing the bigness and the just the connectedness of everything and how just human nature, understanding human nature and that uh if you were in somebody else's shoes, you would behave a lot like they do. And man, God, does this yeah. country need that right now in, in every direction? But that's, that's super powerful. I'm glad you shared that.
0: When that, when that, um, when that uh, dad and his son or daughter showed up on the banks of the Rio Grande uh, that I think the, it was a daughter, he put her inside the back of his shirt so that his shirt would hold her on his back when he tried to swim over the Rio Grande. I, that moment for me, that's the same way I would have done the same thing. I would have thought, man, if I could put her inside my shirt on my back, then I can make it across this river. And as much sorrow that fighting against trafficking has brought me and being up close to this level of misery, it's given me an empathy for anybody in any sort of desperate situation that I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for the joy and the perspective that being in close proximity to sorrow brings me. It it hopefully gives, gives me more grace for people. You know, that's, that's
1: it's really people. interesting. I, the, the first thing that popped in my head when you were describing that David was, uh, years ago, I was listening to a Sufjan Steven album and, mm-hmm. uh, did I say Steven like singular? Yeah, he did.
2: But there's there's more than one of them, so
1: the Stevens. Yet. Sufjan Stevens' album. Sorry. I lost all my indie cred in one sentence. Gosh. You built it
2: up with a Dave Bazan talk. Oh You just home. tore it down.
1: It was do Kings of Leon. Do you anyway, have an indie bro? Uh, but I had <laughs> I, I remember playing this song and I think the song was called John Wayne Gacy. And 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 it was it was at the beginning of Sufjan's exclamation that he was going to make uh, an album for every single, every one of the 50 states. And so this was mm. Michigan. This was state number two. He did Illinois and then he did Michigan. And then he quit. Come on, feel the Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> and and so he did this song and, uh, and it's very pretty as Sufjan Stevens stuff tends to be. But there's a line and I'm going to butcher it. So I'll just paraphrase instead where he's talking about John Wayne Gacy and he says, um, you know, in many ways, he's just like me, and and he kind of described this notion that you did, David, which is that, uh, given the right circumstances, I could be in the, I could do the same sort of things, and I remember sitting and playing that song with my dad in the car, and, and he said, I don't think so at all. I don't agree with that at all. And he said, I, I don't think that any of us is capable of doing anything at all at any given time. I don't think any of us is capable, I don't want to use the Hitler example, but I'll use John Wayne Gacy. I don't think any of us is capable of going to the John Wayne Gacy level. I think we can understand it when we see it. And I think that mm-hmm. we can we can empathize, but sympathy is different than empathy. And... And so when you mentioned that, again, uh, that was the first thing that popped into my head was when you mentioned that, I was like, oh man, this story of me riding with my dad in the car and saying, gosh, what an intense thing, you know, because because the core of that is that we want to believe that that we, each one of us as humans has a sinful nature and we tend to gravitate towards that and we will find ourselves in that. And I think his point was, to which depth will each of us go? And is that always equal?
2: Hmm. That's a good point. Um, And and there's, there's a lot of truth there. Um, But, but generally it's like, it's true. Like going back to Hitler under the third Reich, there were people that resisted and found ways to their power in whatever their power they could, they could resist. Um, But I don't know. There's just this I don't know we're we're all capable of so much um I, I don't know. It's yeah,
1: it was less about were are we capable of sin.
2: C- Gacy was capable of what he did for for whatever reason. It it
1: yeah, that's not the point. The point was are each of us does it, can we can we uh use equivocation? For each one of us could be John Wayne Gacy in that scenario, which was the description. Could each one of us be a sex trafficker given the right scenario? And my dad's argument was, I don't I don't believe that's the case. I don't think anyone given that same scenario would make those kinds of choices. Um, I don't know if it's right to try to make a comparison between John Wayne Gacy and... Um, I, Sex I thought you were
0: saying John Wayne this whole time. I don't know who this Gacy character oh, is. Oh,
1: John Wayne Gacy was a, a murderer. He was a serial killer in the 70s who uh, would steal. He would kidnap children and murder mm-hmm.
2: them. And John Wayne killed a lot of people on TV. <laughs> it,
1: it The difference is so slight, but it's, if you squint, subtle. you can see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, but yeah. So yeah. Sorry. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, he was a serial killer yeah. and he would dress as a clown and he would entice children and he would, he would murder them. Um, and wow. so, so is often held up as a, as a terrible, terrible example and, and why this like, juxtaposition or this, um, this huge contrast occurs in this very, very sweet song by Sufjan Stevens mm-hmm. to describe that. And when he makes the comparison, he, you know, in many ways, he's just like me, was, was yeah. like the impetus for this reaction from my, from my dad to say, I don't buy that. I don't buy that he's just like me. And so that that was that was uh I'm not sharing that to argue with you, I'm just sharing that as a as like a genuine some, human some response. Like, oh, when you tell me that story of like you could see how when yeah. you engage with someone who is trying to feed their family and doing it through sex trafficking, you could see yourself in their shoes.
0: Up to a point, that, like I think I throw out the the extreme examples, like the gaysies and the Hitlers and the I, but I think, for the most part, under the right circumstances, especially when you're someone that's desperate and 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 you have desperate, um, you have you don't have options, and on all your options are bad. You choose a bad option, then I think that that takes you down a road. And, but I want to I want to yeah. I want to be hopeful too, because uh, I wonder if I would have. I love this, uh, I watched The Hunters recently, and, and there was a concentration camp scene in there, and there's some musicians that were supposed to play the Nazis' music as all the Jews were arriving at the concentration camp. And they together s- swapped out and started playing a traditional Jewish song on their instruments. And one by one, uh, they were shot, executed, told us, you know, they were yelled at to, to play something else. And all the way to the last one, but they had that moment of resistance. And I think that sort of bravery is also, I'm I'm not, 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 I don't think I know that sort of courage is in all of us. I know that's really resilient and intricate part of how we were fearfully and wonderfully and precisely designed.
2: So good. So, um, So on the note of how you, all, all that you've seen How has it been with your marriage and family life going on these excursions, coming back? How does one maintain and not, it's got to be impossible to not bring that stuff back to your house, but how have you managed that with you and your your wife and your kids?
0: My first time back uh, was when that, it might've been a Norwegian song, was What the Fox Say. (laughs)
1: yeah it was popular (laughs) yeah timely
0: yeah i heard that song in a club over there and it was tied in my mind to the image of a of a girl that was 14 and flip-flops and a midriff shirt kind of just sitting there on the other side of the room waiting to be chosen and taken and abused by a guy and my kids had it on just a week after that in my living room and were dancing to it and for me, I have a decision to make. I'm I'm going to not let that evil, that darkness, take away my joy. And 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 in many ways, I owe it to that girl to celebrate that song and not let that song be ruined just because of the sorrow I had it attached with. And that's something I had to learn right away. Um, it doesn't make the sorrow less sorrowful, but I have no problem exposing my. Family to this sorrow, exposing my kids to it. I took them over. We we make all our bands t-shirts by organizations that help rehabilitate survivors of trafficking. And so my kids went over two years ago with my wife and I, and we toured some of these rehabilitation facilities. There's kids their age that are um going through art therapy and trauma therapy and amazing heroines, the Harriet Tubmans of 2020, the Amy Carmichaels of 2020, my kids get to meet. And so it's just been part of our life it's kind of my my daughter that's 10 now she doesn't know any different the biggest disappointment for me was when she asked me about a year into it she's like dad do you use a lightsaber like anakin skywalker <laughs> when you're over there <laughs> oh my gosh uh, <laughs> and so i had oh to God. say no so that image had to be taken you know that Im- that idea that my daughter thought i used a lightsaber at one point is that's a big deal for me i like it that she I hated having to break it to her that I don't.
1: That is a big <laughs> deal because she's seen you, she sees you as a hero. She does like you are you are yeah. playing the real life role of a hero, and so like that's a. Sorry, I'm getting emotionally interrupted with your lightsaber comment, uh, David. But that's uh... <laughs> two out of
2: three of us have <laughs> girls. Yeah, and no. So we really identify with that. But it's
1: but it is a girl or not, like it it's a beautiful thing for your child. To, in the best words that she can put together, she's trying to explain yeah. that she recognizes the gravity of what you're doing and the role that you're playing. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really sweet thing. Um, and, and so, kind of like transitioning from that, like uh, I think you've, you've alluded to some of the, the, the pain and the sorrowful and, and difficult and dangerous moments that you've drifted into or not drifted that's not the right word but have placed yourself into and and at the end of the day the exodus road exists to bring people out of these situations and i would love i think we would all love to hear some of these stories of of people coming out of those situations now and when does when in the stories that end up great we know that not all the stories end up great but but can you share some of those or one?
0: Oh Yeah. I'd love to. The, the Exodus road focuses on intervention. There's organizations that are doing prevention. There's organizations that are doing aftercare and rehabilitation interventions. What we do, we, we go in for the purpose of getting girls and women and boys out of these situations that they're stuck in. Um, some of my favorites this year have been coming from my friend Sudhir from India. And he's such a humble man. He's such a, uh, a brave man. He rescued his sister. Uh, That's how he got into this. His sister was taken and he found out where she was and he saved up enough money to be able to get in to the club she was at to get her out of there. And then she wanted him to help get some of the girls she met out. And he just kept on doing that. So now when I see these moments where Sudhir and his team, they're using a car, that our band's community help fund and they'll drive 24 hours sometimes when mm-hmm. you get the tip and he'll work with law enforcement he'll go in him and his buddies will pose as customers like we all do sometimes they're locking us in and Sudir tells me how uncomfortable that feels
1: what do you mean they're locking I mean, you? really in?
0: uncomfortable you know how like you'll knock they'll open the little thing they'll verify who you are they'll come in you know, they'll shut one door behind you they'll frisk you then they'll take you in a second door and you're just locked in this brothel and the girls are locked in all the time and the bravery of Sudhir, he was telling me how you know this is uncomfortable i do not like being in these situations and he's you know he's just this indian man he's emotional he's tearing up he said some of these girls they don't let them out but for an hour at night and they haven't seen the sunlight for days and so he's been doing that even during the lockdowns after the restrictions were lifted, they just go out, they go in and he was telling me a story.
1: Oh, hang on just a second. David. There was
0: four minor girls. And there
1: we go. Sorry, we were losing you there for a second. I want to make no sure we don't, we don't lose you. Okay, go ahead. Yep.
0: So Sudir recently was telling me a story about a brothel where they discovered they have four minor girls being sold. And so he goes in with three other dummy customers and they get the girls in one room. And they say they want to have a party and they had two older girls, uh, 18 or older in there as well. Then those girls were responsible for coming to help, help facilitate this awful thing that's supposed to happen. And Sudhir says, I'm hoping in my heart that the, that the police come, but they didn't get the code word and the girls are getting scared. And one of them is trying to pull at this um, pipe and Sudhir's worried that the place is going to blow up. Uh, because this is a gas pipe. And when the police came in, she actually got out the window and ran. She was scared. Uh, But they rescued all four of those girls and the two uh, girls that were over 18 and at one raid. Mm. Uh, And what I love about the images from the rescues coming out of India is both Sudhir's wife and his sister are social workers with the Exodus Road. So they're just right there in all of all the footage hugging these women, hugging these girls, saying, "You're not in trouble. We're going to protect you. We're going to protect your family." Everything they told you why wow. a lie. Mm. You're free now.
3: Mm. Man, yeah. Hey, one thing about the the lockdowns and the coronavirus, I was, I was thinking about that um, as a kind of thinking about having you on today, uh, and I my mind just went morbid. Like, okay, if, with all the lockdowns. Uh, People can't go out. Maybe some of these brothels would get shut down, or they, they temporarily. But if they're not making money, these girls are just a liability. So, <laughs> what do you do, you know? What do you do with the liability? Um, is there any talk about that that they would just maybe they might just kill them if they if they don't have customers for them?
0: I'm sure there's I'm sure there's organizations like that. But for the most part, on the surface, it doesn't look like we would think it looks. The, a lot of these girls have a quota to meet. They have their passports taken from them. They're trafficked across borders. They don't have any allies. They don't have anybody to represent them. So it's not chains. It's not handcuffs. You know, They're not imprisoned in, in the literal sense of the word in the way that we would think. And so I don't think it's in anybody's best interest, these organizations to, to to do that kind of harm okay. in addition to all this other illegal activity. It's going to draw attention that they don't want.
3: And it might be more expensive to get a new girl than to keep an existing one.
2: It's basic economics.
3: Yeah. A new customer. I mean, it's, I mean, that is an economic number. A, a, there's a, a
2: market at play and, yeah. Yeah,
3: it's, a new customer is sixty or thirty times right. more expensive. We, than we got year. what
2: you're saying. Yeah. Oh man, David. They wear. Go they,
3: ahead.
0: A lot of these girls actually wear numbers on a top, and some of the some of the traffickers and some of the brokers that are selling these girls, they don't even know the girl's name, and the girl oftentimes only goes by a nickname. If she's from a country in Southeast Asia that I'm in. She might have been trafficked down from the hill country. It's not going to look like a kidnapping. It's going to look like um, a fraud because they, they, she's been promised a certain level of employment mm. and she thinks it's going to be in the hospitality industry, but it ends up being in the red light district instead. But you guys were mentioning some of the some of those terms, you know, product or bottom line, but they literally have a number like yeah. like number 146 or five or 42. And customers will just order a girl by, by her number.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so man, David, do you, is somebody listening to this that it's new, it's new to them, or maybe for most people it's like, I kind of thought this was a thing, but, it's It's always so distant. it's not like it's not tangible to real life, and it just became tangible to them. Um, what it, what's an entry level of getting involved? what it, I'm, I'm assuming there's a way to get it. If you really want to go gung- ho and get involved and go to a different country, that's an option. But kind of give us the deal how does how does one get in on the ground floor like basic? I just want to help. I can't leave my family and then go from there. Is there other options after that? Like how, how does one get involved with this?
0: So I've seen every level of involvement and it's honestly been one of the most thrilling things for me. And it answers one of your earlier questions. It's one of the things that helps my faith. I know, I know that Scott said my faith isn't in people, shouldn't be in people, but I have Seen generous and brave and courageous response from so many people over these last seven years. And it's something as small as texting remedy to five, one, five, five, five. And if you do that, you'll get texts when we make these raids and you will be just part of that community. There's thousands of us in there that get these texts whenever a successful rescue happens and you'll get a chance to, to, you know, do a monthly, a monthly donation if you wanted to you know 30 bucks a month we'll put one operative in the field for one night so you could kind of you could you could sponsor my drinks for one night if you want to, to say that you know? but i didn't
3: i didn't want to be a jerk <laughs> oh man
1: <laughs> <laughs> you hear that listeners If you're tuned in, we're hoping that you've got a cold Uh, one in your hands, and you could put a cold one in David's hand too.
0: (laughs) I wish that could be my normal, my normal like uh, like call to action, but alas, I play a lot of churches. But (laughs) wow, you're safe here. Uh, Tiger beer is pretty good. It's a Thailand beer. I I, I like it. A lot of the guys don't like it, but I like Tiger. Nice, Uh, but that's a lot of our costs is going in these places, You have to, you have to pay to, to be in there to, to, you know, and that's one of the ways we get in is by ordering a drink. You can sit down and slowly drink that drink. And buy, yeah, if you go in there and you're not
2: doing anything you're like, well, I can't drink because yeah. of my faith is so strong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And police a lot of times will, you know, can't drink on the job. So you stick out if you're not. But what I was saying is texting remedy to five, one, five, 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 or going to remedydrive.com slash action. And what I love about that page is you'll see, I've tried to, I've tried to catalog ideas that people have had to respond. And one of them was this lady from Iowa that ran up five K in stiletto high heels to raise awareness and to raise funds, Damn. which is one of the most beautiful yeah. things ever. Yeah.
1: Oh, man, uh, I yeah. feel extra worse because I don't know if I could run. My cash five... hurt just hearing that. Shut up. You're not even. <laughs> no, Zach runs. I don't run, though. And so 5K in anything, let alone stilettos. I don't run in She's stilettos. She's a better Christian than me. Okay, I get it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so girls that's good. From... So you've got, there's the, they can text uh, Remedy to 55155?
0: Uh, <laughs> what is five? one five 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 one five, five five five
1: and then and then the website is
0: do do remedydrive.com slash action okay
1: and that and and the the former gives you will 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 loop you into updates anytime there's a rescue and the latter the website will give yeah. you some options for how you can get involved
0: Yeah. And by options, I mean, I just don't have a great answer because of how creative I've seen people get. Yeah, And I never dreamed that my response to the fact there's more people enslaved in my lifetime than any other time in human history. I never, you know, I never thought I would write songs and recruit people to the front lines since, but that, cause that's what I already did. So that's what I'm doing. And here we are together using our four collective microphones to shine a light on injustice together for a little bit tonight. Yeah. And so wh- whoever hears this, they have something, they have something unique. They have a unique sphere of influence that I don't have that you don't have uh, their creativity, their, their, the currency of their life is different than the currency of our lives. And so my challenge to anybody that wants to get involved is just figure out what you already love doing, figure out how to attach that to this amazing movement of justice and freedom.
2: Sounds like you're describing the body of Christ.
0: It is. And that's what I've realized in such an amazing way. I am a heretic like Zach, because yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that the, <laughs> the, God of the universe that created human beings in this beautiful image of love ever was okay with the idea of people being enslaved. Um, and that makes me a heretic to say that because there's several evidences. How's that know, a instances. heretic? I, I don't
2: oh. think anyone in this Wait.
1: room thinks that makes you
2: a heretic. Uh, no, but there's a lot of Christians <laughs> that, that think God or God has this plan and it's all part of get God uh, getting the glory. Yeah. They're I out see. there.
1: I see. I, I got what you uh, Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, and and watching you, you interrupted him complimenting me as well as uh, talking about himself, Th- which is
1: why we interrupted him because he was complimenting <laughs> you loosely. Uh, uh, David, okay. I am kind of curious. Though, where can we listen to the music? I- I- I'd love to pull that pull that up. Where where can us and the and listeners you- listen to the music?
0: You guys are welcome to use any ever if you want to, but it's a oh, you know, remedy drive on Spotify or, or all Apple, the streaming you services. It's, it's there yeah. Yeah, but let so make sure to listen to the recent stuff. You're going to get the songs from when we were on the record label that have. Oh, I heard some uh, the, the the million views, and I'm I'm proud of that stuff. But this this newer stuff um, is I'm so proud of it. Listen to a song called Warlike. This song that I referenced called Using My Name in Vain is going to be out soon.
2: Was Warlike from two? Was that two albums ago? I feel like I I was listening today. I was d- jumping around the catalog and. The production value was great the the drums whatever the world yeah. is warlike the second song on that album yeah okay so the first song when the drums on come album. in it's like oh my god it's like they brought John Bonham back from the dead they're just the drums are yeah. huge which was great but
0: then <laughs> timmy the, Jones is Timmy Jones is the drummer he would love it that you said that he and, and he had uh, like just stacks of symbols together on more like so there's like on one yeah. stand three or four symbols, and and we just make him play it over and over again. He's sweating back there. And the lyrics, I'm really proud of that song. The lyrics that doesn't
1: sound Christian.
2: <laughs> the lyrics on that song are uh, are convicting, to say the least. They're they're great. I love I love them.
1: Well, David, that's cool, you. man. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. You know, I think a few of us had a we We're, we weren't sure what where this was discussion would go, and I just appreciate you sharing your heart and sharing what you've been a part of, and and uh, and being real and honest with us, and and transparent in, in in how this has been for you and how it's been for your family. Thanks for sharing the lightsaber story. It may have made it a little bit dusty in here. Andy
2: was crying. A All little right, bit. it's dusty in here. We've got the Santa Ana winds. I have a hu- I have a barometer in the room, and the humidity went up. Um, I got real quick (laughs) though. Um, you have a degree in mathematics and I know math and music theory go together, but often the mathematic mind and like artistic songwriter types are two different things. Uh, how has that been a marriage for you?
0: Man, I don't, I don't know. I got into math and then just, I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know what I was supposed to graduate with and, and then I fell in love with number theory and group theory, and I say this—it's that—is the Goodwill Hunting type stuff. However, I was like a C minor average or C. <laughs> See, average. it's already what happening.
3: It <laughs> you was your great point average. You just, G minor. You just <laughs> married the. Oh my gosh! It was you, you couldn't even help
1: yourself. It's <laughs> almost the saddest of all
2: keys. <laughs> d minor saddest of all keys don't say the name of that song though andy that's dirty no i won't sorry and then also uh, we usually do a segment at the end of our podcast that we talk about what we're consuming um you mentioned the show uh hunters which is about nazi hunters Mm. i think i've never seen it it's on my it's in my queue but uh, what are you consuming right now? Books, TV, music, otherwise that's uh, capturing your attention.
0: Man, uh, I watched. It was the Wachowski siblings put out the Cloud Atlas with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry. Yeah. Like, right, it was a, a big influence for me to get into this work. Um, it's a really rough movie, but really, I just started that book. Though uh, one of the guys at the Exeter Road will gave me a copy of the Cloud Atlas. I. Uh, um, I'm I, you'll, you'll think it's weird, but I, I've never said this publicly. But I'm into um, I'm into a lot of conspiracy theory, but not in the, like the really weird way that like the recent way that people are into. Oh, so I to that's like, okay. Possible. You're
2: in good company. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My friends all know I'm a safe live- space to uh, to go with their weirdest <laughs> theories. Oh,
0: keep, like you don't going. sign up for what? them.
1: Continue. Sorry, David. What's your conspiracy theory of the week?
0: What are your favorite ones? Well, well, the the higher side chats is one of my favorite podcasts, and I've been listening to that for like six years. But I take it all with a grain of salt. We had you'll you'll like this the commodity album cover. There's a bunch of flat earthers that think that think that my album cover from six years ago is proof that NASA is lying about space being real.
3: Nice dude, that's next level. You are in a yeah. conspiracy theory. That is so. And cool. so, well, that's that's I when was you know you made it. America.
0: I was in Latin America when my YouTube just blew up and everybody's like, there's all this stuff about a guy posting a picture of a a hole in the International Space Station and it turns out that it's our album cover that we used because it was a free picture on the internet to use. We thought it was a bullet hole, but it was an actual hole in the Space Station.
3: (laughs) Wow. I think there's a commercial. uh, uh, I think it's a Hennessy commercial where a dude uh back I don't know uh late eighteen hundreds or something, early nineteen hundreds, he's going up in a in a hot air balloon and he he gets caught in this like jet stream and he gets sucked up past the atmosphere and he hits water out in space and For a yeah. And in <laughs> <and>, uh <laughs> uh flat Earth there there are some flat earthers who point to that commercial as like like oh see this it's possible that it's like but it's a commercial like uh, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
2: Wait, okay. I got one more and you can do it do it rapid fire quick then we'll let you go but I know you'll have a good answer. So just pretend with me you are walking into the gates of the kingdom of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and you get you get to have your playing song as if you're walking into the ring <laughs> Rocky style. Yes. What is the playing song and who are your hype? Give me one or two hype people. They could be living or dead.
3: Who's walking in with but, you? But rules, it can't be your own song and it can't be your wife. Yeah. It can't be a family member. Don't don't cheat out on us.
2: We're going to assume okay. your wife so you can you
3: can go elsewhere. She's she's on the other side of you. Living or dead.
0: It's um I don't know the two actors' names, but it's the final countdown, and it's Joe Bluth and uh, Buster Bluth.
1: <laughs> that is
2: Will, Will Arnett and
1: yeah. Tony. Tony. Tony... For, 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 for. Yeah. Hale?
0: Uh, Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Tony Hale. Yes. I think it's so pronounced good.
1: Gob. You, you went with the final yeah, countdown. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <so> <laughs> uh, <laughs> which just reminded me of this meme that my friend would send me every Michael. once in a while. The final countdown is now in your head. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it, you got me.
3: <laughs> 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 oh, that's pretty solid, David.
1: It's hey, illusionist, uh, Michael. Illusions, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> but uh, it's like they're dressed...
0: They're dressed the way they're dressed when when they're doing the fake funeral for the for George senior. You know, so yes. Buster's in his military out, the army outfit and Job's in his full magician garb.
1: Well, we've come full circle because we're probably five miles away from where that is supposedly filmed in, uh, and and the, the scene of New the, oh, the banana
2: stand is still there. Yeah, we are close to it. I've seen it and we're not far away. David, hey,
1: thanks so much for joining us. Uh, This was a blast. I'd be remiss to not mention that. I respect the fact that you are speaking to us through an AKG 414. Thank you for taking this to the next Mm. level.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just what I have. That's my only nice mic. It's just just what I have. A
1: super nice (laughs) mic. That's uh, can we say this is probably the nicest microphone that anyone's done an interview with us on? Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah,
3: man, I think this is only like a two hundred and fifty dollar mic. No, yeah, I don't think it's, it's like
0: the nice eight. It's four ninety nine.
3: 499. I just looked it up. Don't no, it's-, it's not. They're oh, they're twelve hundred dollars. Okay.
1: Anyway, we appreciate it, David. Uh, uh, thank you for sharing your night with us. I know it's a little bit late. We we might not catch it on the episode, but uh, because of editing. But you are in Nashville, right? Or you're out in Tennessee? Is that what you said? Yeah.
2: Nashville. And if yes, you're ever ever in Southern California, uh, feel free to hit us up and we can do one in person or just go grab a beer or a whiskey or something.
3: I would yeah, love that, guys. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Man,
2: David Zach. Oh, I did it. Yeah, Zach. You did it. Man, you warned us not you to. You got do sucked that. into the wormhole of his last <clears throat> name. I think I prophesied to myself and I fulfilled my own prophecy.
3: David Zox. That's pretty intense, man. Stuff, doing that stuff, going out there. Get you got your family back home.
2: Yeah, stuff, you know, Man.
3: like how Scott refers to it as stuff. Mm-hmm. I understand that, though. Th- it simplifies
2: things. it. It doesn't, it's not too specific. It helps protect the psyche from the emotional trauma that can come when you realize what is being talked about. Yeah. So thank you for stuff.
3: Well, yeah. people, you know, they're they're people, you know. It's not good.
1: Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's- <laughs> Thank you for elaborating.
2: People are people, Scott. Yeah. Well done. People
1: are people, so
2: Andy almost cried. I that, did. I that, got a little misty. And I, I really appreciate that. The um, when the kids see that you are working hard and you are um, not just like telling them what to believe or doing what you think. Well, mostly, most people will tell people what to believe. And when you're actually tangibly doing it, and like, listen, because we love people, because God loves people, this is the way I am walking that out. And his kids seeing that, that is priceless.
1: The purity of that response, like, that's the language that they had to be able to try to describe what they were seeing. And so for the daughter to say, do you have a lightsaber? Yeah. Is the most pure... Possible way that she could like try to translate that uh, in her mind.
3: If, if they were an 80s kid, they'd be like, Do you have a minigun? Maybe. From
2: what? Maybe if you're from
1: watching Rambo? like Rambo. From Predator. Oh, Predator.
3: Oh, only the greatest movie ever made. Do you
2: have a proton pack? You know, Star <clears throat> Wars was in the 80s. That's true. And so you went from, you, you took modern Star Wars as an example, and your example of a kid in the 80s would be watching Predator. I'm not
3: sure that... I didn't was, watch Star Wars. Okay. I was growing up to be a man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and now you're a bro. Oh, man. Speaking up, of, speaking up of it, speaking up of growing up to be a man, uh, have you guys been consuming
2: anything of note this week? I did start The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. It has uh, Kelly. I think her name is Kelly Cuckoo or Coco. Cuckoo Kakao? From uh, Save by the Bell. No, from <laughs>
1: that sounds like it should be. Maybe that maybe that is it.
2: That was
3: Kelly Kapowski. There uh, you go. Was...
2: <laughs> Zach Morris girlfriend. She has
3: been on I have a huge Big crush Bane. On
2: her. Big Bane. Big Bane theory. That's a spin-off of the Batman series where Bane uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> Big Bane theory. <laughs> Uh, But she was on Big Bang Theory for 12 years, which was the biggest show in the universe for that period of time. And now she's on a series on HBO about a flight attendant. She is the flight attendant. And she wakes up next to a dead body after a night of partying. And because she's a drunk and she gets blackout drunk. And that's that sets the tone for the show. So it's kind of like a murder thriller it's pretty clear, at least the assumption is, after the first episode, she couldn't have done it, but she doesn't know how it happened. Uh, so it's it's setting up to be a, a good, entertaining story. There you go. Interesting.
1: It reminds me of uh, a little, it, would you say it's a little dead to me?
2: Yeah, yeah. But you're one episode in, so what do you It's know? It's a ballpark. All right. Yeah. Ballpark, Dead to Me. Dead to Me was great, too. I think that came up on this segment
1: previously. Mm-hmm, it did. Mm. Uh, Scott, what are you consuming this week?
3: Nothing. Nothing, nothing really, man. I'm just doing my... uh like a smattering? What's on the, the YouTube? channel? Well, okay, so I guess I am kind of switched. I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel. <gasps> starting Ooh. your own? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and so I've been consuming... Welcome uh, to Scott's Thoughts. Yeah, and that would be something... Uh, Uh, I would need to pick a name. I mean, I just gave you the
1: name. It's Scott's Thoughts. You can't choose anything else. There's nothing better than that.
2: Right. You have to spell thoughts (laughs)
3: T-H-O-T-T-S. Oh,
1: I'm proud of you for doing that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All in my head. So I've been consuming a lot of, you know, how to start a uh, uh, podcast, a YouTube channel and video and changing the colors and... Shooting and lighting and all that stuff. What are you going to have on this uh, YouTube channel? Oh, it's going to be probably theology-based. Really? Yeah. Wow.
1: How long have you been unsatisfied with this podcast?
3: (laughs) What episode are we on? Uh,
1: 154? How long has this
2: not been scratching your itch? (laughs) That's all right. We'll rob your itch. Your intel on how to do that, and maybe we'll be able to pull off our own YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and maybe you can, maybe we can just use all of the gear that you end up having to invest in because I think it's Dude. A, a lot.
3: It's a rabbit trail.
1: Yes, it's a rat hole, is what it yeah. is. Yeah.
3: Um.
1: Anything else though? Beyond uh, doing your research on on starting your oh, YouTube so let's channel?
3: talk about failure. Um, the band
1: I love them. Yeah, Phantom Planet. Fan- yeah.
3: They, was, they were terrible. No fear of a. Uh, so I, I didn't. I didn't reach my Bible in a year reading plan. That's a bummer. But the uh, year's not done. I. I <laughs> right. It just I got. I probably got like. Oh, a, so you're a, you're, a, you're like a aren't you? you a I probably got a quarter of the Bible left. Uh, and I, I'm not a fast reader. Um, but it's okay. it's okay. Okay, I made progress, and I'll just I'll continue those books and. Start off the new year. And as Paul said, yeah. where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So that, you're covered. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. There. The Bible's yeah. in this podcast. You and yeah. your sinful
1: failure. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> what I, I need to start off
3: strong or just on a good pace. Yeah.
1: You know what? Aim for the sun and land on the moon. Mm. Yeah, unless, Yeah, Why are you going into the sun to end well, up and die? That's well, really the question.
3: But if you go... That's stupid. If you go in the winter... It's it a, might be okay. It might a be a good much time. Much colder, sun. yeah. <laughs> but just don't go in the
2: in the winter on Australia time, and then it's the summer.
3: Yeah, then it's flipped and That's reversed. Bad news.
2: All right. Well, Andy,
1: uh, this week, let's see. Um, on the YouTube's, it's been mostly that, uh, but I, I consumed a lot of wine on Saturday night, and that was because we had a an auction for a sommelier that came over. Zach, you were there, and we had a couple, a few couples. We were supposed to have more couples, and some of those couples bailed, um, but we all did our part, and we made sure that we still drank the amount of bottles of wine that would have been for all of the couples. Right. And yeah. for, those Dedication.
3: Who, for those who don't live in Southern Orange County, a sommelier is a wine expert.
1: And his oh. name was Paul, or they're also known as a wine courier that just says a bunch of words, and then you just drink. Yeah. Yeah,
2: either way it was, like it was great.
1: It was great and I was impressed because uh people brought some really fancy ass cheese. Oh, that Yeah, was- I'm
2: not a I'm discovering I am more of a cheese guy than I thought. Yeah. Although the I don't remember the name of it, but there was a sheep milk based cheese that um no thank you. I'm done with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not
3: the goat cheese. I'm not really a fan no, this of This was a sheep cheese. This was sheep. Mm. Does it? Does it? Was it goaty or? You gotta separate the sheep from never the goats. Goat, <laughs> I've never had goat cheese, and either way, both those cheeses are going to hell. So the only goat cheese I like is the one that's wrapped in the cranberries. Oh, oh yeah, that that stuff that is was good. there. That was there. Yes. But just regular goat cheese. Ugh. But I. like, that's goat, like
2: I like, goat like goat fish meat. as long as you put enough stuff so that doesn't taste that's like right. fish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So uh, so I was definitely consuming wine, but then uh. But I will say this, I went down the rat hole after visiting Costco on Saturday and the Traeger guy was there. The uh, Traeger grills guy was yeah. there oh. and I had no intention of engaging with him at all. And I got sucked in by his mm. Traeger, Traeger, beam. magic, his Traeger beam, tractor beam, mm. Traeger beam. Nice. Yes. And uh, it, <laughs> Lindsay had left her phone at home when we left. And so she had gone through and checked out already and was gone. And I was still there. I'm like, well, now Tommy, what are you the- were in a wormhole. I was deep in it with him. And I'm like, and, and how does that work now? And, and what in the price of the pellets? And he thought he's getting a sale. He thought he was getting a sale. Well, he still might get a sale because I mm-hmm. then have gone back through and done all the research. I'm like, well, how do- can you get grill marks on this stuff? It's just smoke that's happening. It looks like it's uh, it like it's God's grill is what it looks like.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can you can adjust the temperature, I think, but I don't know if you can, oh, go, yes. up, can it go up high to be like a regular grill. Because I've had Traeger... What do you mean like regular grill? Like uh, like where the flames are getting closer, where it's not... Uh, no, I'm not, not sure like if an it's oven. that
2: deal. It's more of a... Sl- Isn't it slow cooking kind of, and then you slap it on and sear it yourself? You can crank it up to 500 degrees. There you go. Okay, so That's like an lot. oven...
3: But the, there's no direct flame going to no, but all the, the smoky cook. goodness is yeah. going in there.
1: But but there's I was looking at you're getting grill marks on stuff because you I mean you can crank it's that too up. hot when I mean, you crank that up to 500. Yeah. Anyway, this is some hot grill talk, no pun intended. Hot uh, grill mm. talk. Uh, so that's uh, I did go down that rabbit hole, and I the only here's the only problem. I think that I have some sort of allergic reaction to smoked meats.
3: Hmm. That'd probably be something to test uh before you invest.
1: I know because mm. I've had I've had some and I've and I've recently within the last couple of years I've been like, man, I don't something doesn't feel right. I don't feel great. Mm. And you know how your stomach kinda has a memory and it'll be like, oh, it was this thing. Yeah, yeah I felt so like you,
3: that. You need something a little I think I made a mistake. I yeah. think
1: we've made terrible mistakes. but So, Heritage Barbecue. Maybe we should all go to Heritage Barbecue in San Juan, which supposedly, San Juan Capistrano, California, is the best barbecue in Southern California.
3: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Is it yeah. like, like a particular place, like a particular barbecue restaurant, or when you say best barbecue? Well, there...
1: Uh, wait, what? You said Heritage. Heritage Barbecue.
3: Oh, is that... The, That's that the that name is. of the place. That's a restaurant?
1: Well... It's a barbecue place. Yeah. Yes, restaurant.
3: You can buy food there?
1: Like already pre-made? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're they're not selling barbecue. Okay. Sorry, I get, where you're, I get where your confusion is. I understand wow. that. No. No, we want to eat the food. Okay. They've All got right. the food. But we may have to wait in line. But I think they'll bring beers out to you while you're waiting in line. All I'll right. do that. Let's do that. Yeah. And, hey. And it is supposed to be the best of the best and we live close to bad to the bone which is not which is not terrible that's good barbecue
2: it's not terrible um which is something you have to say after you've been to austin recently
1: oh man but frank blacks hey guys that's the guy from the pixies
2: you know what you can do (laughs) listener tell us how you feel about this episode tell us your favorite barbecue tell us all about all the things that come to your mind when you hear all of this talk um, and you can do that via voicemail at anchor.fm
1: slash BBB pod. And we don't correct. have any other place to do
2: that. And then Twitter's socials at brosbiblesbeer at brosbiblesbeer. And um, yeah, let, oh email brosbiblesbeer at com. Hit us up.
1: We'd be remiss to say that Jeff wasn't here tonight. I think it was mentioned very briefly that he couldn't make it, but... Uh, Jeff, if you've made it to the end of this episode, um, well, then you'll have to let us know. And this is a test. It is
2: a test. Um, But also, yeah, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Uh, And shout out to Jimmy Pacini, who was thrilled to know that Andy has roots in uh, Central California. Nice. Oh, what do you
1: mean?
3: Well, he's from uh, Fresno. Fresno? or. Somewhere in the central valley. Yeah,
2: Central Valley. He's he's up there somewhere, and then you talked about your Bakersfield roots. So I lived in Fresno for a year. Jimmy checked in. And Jimmy, if you could just get ten other people like you to tell ten other people like you about bros Bibles beer, bros Bibles and beer, that'd be great.
1: This is an office space moment. You have a chance to get as many as four other people directly (laughs) under you. And then you're making money for the Bros. Bibles of Beer.
3: All right,
2: let's get out of here. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David Zock.
3: Thank you. Thanks for what you do.